Welcome to the porch. I'm Richard Grun. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basic, by examining the Word of God, and especially the example of the Book of Acts Church, to see how the early church served the Lord. By delving deeper into Scripture, we find the church the Lord intended, and not the one that man created. The porch has always been about restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining the world-shaking influence that the early church had. The church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is on going the fire of the upper room still burns if you have any questions go to firefalltalkradio.com use the contact button or you can write us directly at the porch lowercase one word at firefalltalkradio.com if you'd like to support us there are ways to do so go to the firefall talk radio homepage. we appreciate your support and encouragement welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms remember we can always be found on apple podcast google Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Welcome. Here we are again on the porch. Hopefully you're ready, ready to receive, ready for the Lord to speak to you through his Holy Spirit and, of course, through his word. Remember, if you need prayer or you want to pray for others in the porch community, just contact us, either write us at the porch at firefalltalkradio.com, go to the main website, use the contact button, or find us on one of the social media platforms. Just remember, we care about you, and there are people that want to pray for you. I do. Lately, the Lord has been waking me up again in, um, in the night, and I will lay there and pray for hours. And if I know you by name, you're being prayed for. If I don't, and I just call you as one of the listeners of Porch Community or whatever. But you're being prayed for. Hopefully that comforts you. Hopefully if you're sitting someplace fellowshipping with others, you have leadership that are doing that for you. You need a shepherd that wants to stand in the gap for you against the wolves. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you listen to us, as well as on social media. Go to YouTube, find us on the Firefall Network. A lot of different ways to stay in touch. If you're on the mailing list, you will get a um, newsletter coming out. If not, let us know and we'll put you on it. Father, you are awesome. You are an awesome God. But you're an awesome dad. You're our Abba, Abba Father, Papa God, Daddy. And we love you. We praise you. We worship you. We come to you, not just here on Wednesdays and as the porch. We come to you every day, every moment of every day. We need you. We're desperate for you to boldly approach that throne of grace and mercy as little children, crying out, Abba, Father, Papa, God, Daddy, sometimes throwing up our arms needing to be picked up, needing to be consoled. We thank you for loving us even when we we're not lovable. Even now sometimes we're not lovable. I know that I am amazed how much you love us. We thank you for Yeshua, your only begotten Son, who you asked to pay for our debts, with every drop of blood, the beating, being torn apart, publicly humiliated, just so that you could have access to your children again and we could have access to you. Lord, thank you. Thank you for that love. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the payment. Thank you for ongoing relationship for even considering us and talking to us and walking with us, both with the Holy Spirit and both as just you and us. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. We're so thankful that you're not just a, you're not a dead prophet. You're a risen Savior. And that because you sat down at the right hand of the Father, you were able to send back the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, to walk with us and to teach us and to remind us. And that's what we ask tonight, Holy Spirit. First of all, come. Holy Spirit, come. Do whatever you want. 
corporately, individually, do whatever you want. Have your way with us. Let your spirit begin to flow. Let it begin to move. Let it begin to be stirred up inside of us. Bring this word to life. We ask for help in our walk, in understanding, in everything that you've called us to do. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Father. We praise you for our salvation and all that we have and all of our, every blessing that we have comes from you. So thank you. Thank you for our families. I know I do. For my family, my home, my furry kids, all the things that I have in this world, but most of all, for relationship and for the calling to go and do what you've called me to do. We pray over this technology. We pray over the Internet. We pray over anything and everything we need right now to stay connected, to keep the enemy from interfering. I pray for your spirit to envelop your children so that they can tabernacle with you, that you can spread your wings over them and pull them in close, hidden to you. So we thank you. We thank you for this word. We thank you for our salvation. We just thank you for everything. Every good thing comes from you. So we pray right now, Lord, let the word go forth. Let your name be glorified. Let your will be done in Yeshua's name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. When that shofar sounds, means get ready. It's telling your spirit man to get ready, your spirit woman to get ready, it's telling your mind to get ready. You should have your Bibles open, your apps open, your notes, however you follow along. Because we're in a time here that I believe we're in the end times. Technically, we've been in the end times since the day of Pentecost. That's what Peter said when he quoted Joel. But we're in that final tick of the clock. We're in that moment where the dominoes fall faster. We're in a time of lawlessness. And when end times lawlessness abounds, the only answer is the church rising up in power and righteousness to counter it. It's not God's responsibility. He's already done it. He gave us Yeshua. It's not the Lord's responsibility. He died. He sat down next to the Father. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us all authority in heaven and earth. It's the church's responsibility. Through prayer, through evangelism, through everything we do. And we were warned what would happen if we didn't do it. And we're seeing that in the world right now that we would be set up for deception and destruction. Now, yesterday as I began to just gather my notes, wondering what the Lord wanted me to talk about, I kept hearing the word lawlessness. So, of course, I went and looked them all up, and I cut and pasted them. And So basically, I had notes, which is scriptures, that really didn't connect except for the word lawlessness. And then I sat down here this morning and began to work on the Word and began to see what the Lord was saying, and I began to sense a seriousness. Now, the Word is both wonderful, it's healing, it's joyful, but it's serious. We live in a fallen world under the control of Hasatan and the fallen. We live in a world that without Yeshua, without salvation, It's going to see God's wrath. It's going to see God's wrath anyway, but if we would just do what we were called to do, 
But let's let's start where the Lord gave me, Romans 1, starting verse 18. Because we have to understand what the end result of lawlessness is and where we are. And when you turn on the TV or you read the the Internet news or whatever, you're seeing lawlessness. But what you're seeing is the natural byproduct of spiritual lawlessness. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And that's the collective humanity, men, women who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, They did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And Paul jumps down to verse 28. Oh, no, he doesn't. I do. But he picks it back up with, and even they did not like to return, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They, were, they are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. That's what we're seeing. We're seeing the approval of all these things that God hates being promoted and embraced by humanity. And there's a reason for that. The man of lawlessness is waiting in the shadows. I believe he's manipulating things. I believe he's orchestrating things and making things happen. But he's been doing this since the days after Pentecost. He knew what Pentecost meant. And he knew he had to get busy to get prepared for his time and his angels getting out of the pit and their demons and everything that we know is going to happen, we're watching this. The, the, the Bible tells us so. The apostles told us so. So let's look at this concept of lawlessness and the person behind it. To do that, we need to go to Second Thessalonians 2. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, concerning the coming of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, and our gathering together to him, not to get shaken out of your mind or disturbed, either by a spirit or a word or a letter, as if through us, as though the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for the day will not come unless the rebellion, the apostasy, the falling away comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one destined to be destroyed. He opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of of worship so that he sits in the temple of God, proclaiming himself that he is God. Let me stop there for a second. I've read this 
to you a lot over the last six months, and now I know why. The Lord was setting all this up. Now, we don't have that final temple for him to sit in yet, so we know we've got some time to get the job done. Let's go back to verse 5. Don't you remember that when I was still with you, I was telling you these things, and you know what now holds back? For him to be revealed in his own time, the church is what holds him back, brothers and sisters. We hold him back through the power of the Holy Spirit. For the mystery of lawlessness is already operating. Only there is one who holds back just now until he's taken out of the way that he is the Holy Spirit inside the church. Greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. Then the lawless one will be revealed. The Lord Yeshua will slay him with the breath of his mouth and wipe him out with the appearance of his coming, that being the spoken word. The coming of the lawless one is connected to the activity of Satan, Hasatan, the adversary, with all power and signs and false lying wonders and with every kind of wicked deception toward those who are perishing. And they perish because they did not accept the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, God sends them a delusional force. He gave them over to a delusional mind to lead them to believe what is false, so that they may be judged. All those who do not did not believe the truth, but delighted in wickedness. How can you miss it? How can you not see the delight in wickedness, in almost everything around us. The man of lawlessness, the son of perdition, is a byproduct. The manifestation of him is a byproduct of the demonically inspired falling away. The Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary says that lawlessness or lawless is terms used by modern translations to describe people not restrained or controlled by law, but especially God's law. This isn't about human law. This isn't about local law or state law or government. This is about God's law. It's a rebellion against God. Sin is lawlessness. And the leader of the end-time rebellion is called the man of lawlessness. The lawless one is already at work, but is presently restrained and he will be revealed before the return of Messiah, who will destroy him, as I said, with the breath of his mouth, the spoken word. Lawlessness is not simply, simply doing what is lawful, but it is the flagrant defiance of the known will of God. And the demonstration of lawlessness by the lawless one will be the effect of the attempt by the powers of darkness to overthrow the divine government. That's what this is all about. Yes, this is about Satan being in control. Yes, this is about him being worshipped as God the Father through his son, the Antichrist. It's about the overthrown, overthrowing of God's government. But we're not part of that. We're born again. We're set free. Names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. At least we're supposed to be. That's why this is so important. That's why you understanding this to be able to share it with others is so important. Don't think I do this just to teach. Yes, I teach. I believe that's what I do. No, that's not the primary purpose of what I do. I'm doing this to prepare you because the time will come that unless we're in the same room or the same area, the same beach, that would be nice, or the same open field or whatever, the time is going to come where they're going to be able to turn this off. They're going to be able to control everything electronic so that the word can't go forth. Why do you think the Internet of Things and Wi-Fi 6 and all the towers are going up? Why do you think they want you to have a... Wi-Fi thermostat and Wi-Fi this and the computer in your car. They want to be able to tie everything together to be able to control it and turn it off if they need to. The Antichrist, the man of lawlessness, without that cannot have 
the hive mind control that I talk about in the supernatural battle. But we're different. There should be no sin in our life, deliberate sin. Sometimes we fall, sometimes we mess up, sometimes things happen. But there should be no the word I'm looking for. Come on. Help me out here. Deliberate in your face, I'm going to do what I want, sin. 1 John chapter 3, starting verse 4. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Presumptuous sin. That was the word I was looking for. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, he being Yeshua. And in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. And this is what John's talking about. Deliberate, presumptuous sin. Little children, he says, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he, the Lord, is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for this devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God, born of God, born again of God, does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin, for he's been born of God. Sin is not a popular topic. People don't want to talk about it. It should be. We tell people on a diet, don't eat those donuts, or don't take in more than this amount of calories, or watch your carbs, and that's not healthy for you, but why can't we do that spiritually? Why can't a preacher or a teacher or somebody stand up and say, hey, These things are not good for you. Don't do them. But if we're going to reject the law or the will of God and substitute it with our own self-will, we have fulfilled the definition of lawlessness. And the man of sin, the man of iniquity, inbred sin, according to the word, is the idea of the contempt of, of God's divine law. And the Antichrist will even deny the existence of God. I'm seeing that a lot lately. And some of the things we watch, I say this every time, but I'm at the point, there's almost nothing you can safely watch, not cartoons, not anything, without some slap at God, slap at Jesus, some sinful promotion of, hey, it's okay to do this. Because lawlessness is a byproduct of unrighteousness. We live in an unrighteous world, in an unrighteous world that wants us to do those things so that we can all be in the pit together. But lawlessness and unrighteousness, while similar, are not the same. One describes the actions of the other. But they connect. The Antichrist and his ministers political, media, social, will have no moral restraint, no scruples in their words or deeds which are specifically done to deceive. This brings us to Matthew 24. Are you, are you, are you getting this? Has a seriousness, has a somberness just come over you where you realize, maybe I haven't taken this seriously enough? You know, the interesting thing about an alcoholic, all it takes is one sip of alcohol, drug addict, one hit, one needle, and boom, they're back. Sin is very similar. Things you've been delivered from, things you've taken control of, the enemy tries to get you to do. Just one more time. It's okay. He'll forgive you. This is seriousness here. 
At least there is for me. We're losing our children. We're losing our youth, our young adults. We're watching adults be destroyed, marriages be destroyed, families be destroyed, our society, our nation, our churches, groups of people as the church, not buildings. They can all go away as far as I'm concerned. We're in a full-pronged forefront attack on every side by the enemy. And and the Lord is waiting for his church to rise up, to stand up, shields, side by side, swords drawn, ready to say no, no more. You can't have it. You can't have it anymore, Satan. You and your angels and your demons and everything. No, no more. We're not going to take it anymore. Matthew 24, verse 4. Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of the sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Then many will be offended and betray one another and hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Lawlessness causes people to hate one another, to love less each other, to grow cold in their hearts. But if we endure and if we preach the gospel of the kingdom as a witness to all the nations, then the end comes. What triggers this is lawlessness. And how do we respond? Preaching the gospel. It's, it's right there. It's that simple. But we have got to get our act together. I know I do. Every day I pray for that. In heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit to be better. And it seems like the more I pray, the more I get tested, and the more things come, and I realize, well, I failed that one again. But he wants me to be better. He wants me to be stronger. He wants me to be ready because the storm has come. And you're watching the storm in the distance. You're watching it tear the houses and rip up the trees. And it's coming. We've got to get ready. Romans 6, Paul lays this out, starting with verse 15. What then shall we sin? Because we're not under the law, but under grace. Certainly not. Do you not know to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey? You are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members, your bodily parts, as slaves of uncleanness, and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. But God be thanked that though we were slaves of sin, we obeyed from the heart the gospel of the kingdom, and we were delivered. And having been set free from sin, we have become slaves of righteousness, slaves of the Lord, slaves of God. That word thanked in that verse 17 means to be thankful. 
but it's the Greek word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, which is grace. Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary said, when used of divine grace toward mankind, the word charis, it refers to the undeserved favor of God in providing salvation for those deserving condemnation. In the more specific Christian sense, it speaks of the saving activity of God, which is manifested in the gift of his Son to die in the place of sinners. There's the gospel right there. Somebody wants to know what the gospel is? The gift of his only begotten Son to die in the place of sinners. We have a choice that we can either try to follow the law and obey the rules forcibly, or we could live by choice and choose to do right, choose to live in God's unmerited favor. But I like what it says in Romans 5, 20, where sin abounded, where sin increased, grace much more so abounded and surpassed it and increased more and superabounded, if there's such a word, because of the righteousness of right standing, which we receive for eternal life in Yeshua, the Messiah. Grace is the answer to lawlessness. We, living lives of grace, Showing people what God's grace can be for them is the answer to lawlessness. See, the book of Acts Church, in my opinion, is is the foundational church. Many teachers and preachers will talk about the early church, but they mean the first century church, and I'm sorry, they're the ones who made the mess that we're in right now, theologically, the buildings the form, the formality, the eventual denominations, abomination, whatever. For me, the book of Acts Church, with all the flaws, that's the foundation. And in the book of Acts, which should be the Acts of the Holy Spirit, not the Acts of the Apostles, the word charis, that Greek word, is used in three senses. The most frequent use It refers to the power that flows from God through his Messiah to us. And it's what gave the apostles success in their mission, Acts 4, verses 32 and 33. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart. This is the whole Solomon's porch thing. They were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. Not that they lived in a communal atmosphere, but they were willing to share everything. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of Adonai Yeshua. And great grace was upon them all. Grace came from the power, came from the resurrection, came from the salvation, came from being born again. Grace is the power that inspires people to be broken free of the spirit of lawlessness. It gave the power to unbelievers to believe. That's what it says. It refers to in Acts 18, 27, when he, being Paul, desired to cross over into Achaia, uh, Achaia. Hold on. Got to stop here. Lord, well, I'm, your grace is amazing. Your grace is still amazing, Lord. Your grace, right now, for the children, the child, the person that's listening, that's wrapped up in fear and condemnation and rejection and the fear of failure and the fear of everything that has been put upon them by the words spoken to them, your grace is still amazing. Let your grace envelop them right now. Let it surround them. Let it touch them. Let it heal them and deliver them in Yeshua's name. So when Paul wanted to cross over to preach and teach and do what the disciples 
sent a letter forward to receive him. And when he was received, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. That grace gave power to build up believers. I commend you to God, to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance amongst all those who are sanctified. The book of Acts, the actions of the Holy Spirit through the church to empower and work with the church to change the world one person at a time. His grace empowers us to take that grace to others. But the spirit of the Antichrist wants to stop that by inspiring rebellion and lawlessness. And he does that through seduction and deception. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 14 through 18. Do not be unequally bound together with unbelievers. Do not make mismatched alliances with them, inconsistent with your faith. And this means anything, emotional, personal, business, financial, spiritual, For what partnership can righteousness have with lawlessness, or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony can there be between Messiah and Belial, Satan? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell among them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So come out from among unbelievers and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will graciously receive you and welcome you with favor. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. As I worked on this today, if you call it work, I began to get this visual in my head, and and this next scripture really painted it for me. I'm a very visual person. I like the films, and I see things in movies. I see things in my head. I mean, when the Lord shows me stuff, I see things visually like a film. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. And I began to see people walking on a pathway that's treacherous. There's a long drop underneath and it's a very small walkway. So they walk tied together or holding hands so that they're helping each other stay safe on the small path that's going to get them to where they're going. We need to walk this pathway together to get into that gate, which is narrow. The wide gate is the highway to hell. It's a super highway. It's attractive. There's lights, there's restaurants, there's casinos, there's all these wonderful things. But this narrow gate, this narrow path, this narrow way, we walk it together. Because right after he says that, he warns them, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit. Bad trees bear bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear good fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. And every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. What do they produce? How do they act in their life? What is the the harvest of their behavior. Those are their fruits. And right after that, tying the first two thoughts together in Matthew 7, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, and that's the day of the Lord, 
Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Verse 23, Matthew 7. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. The narrow gate is the decision to not only make him Lord of your life and follow him, but to live it and to walk it out. The wide gate, the broad highway, it's about choosing to do your own thing, self-will. I'm, I don't need Jesus. I don't need salvation. Well, that person's on the highway to hell, the road that leads to destruction. That narrow gate, it's, it's the pressure of the walk. It's compressed so that it leads us safely in one direction. <laughs> there are a few that find it. We all know that we get in trouble when? When we step off the path. That's when the trouble starts. We're living in a world right now that's off the path. It's doing its own thing. It's following the spirit of the Antichrist. It's well on its way to destruction. We have a job to live by an example, to offer people hope, as I've said many times about my salvation, it wasn't so much being preached at. It was what I saw, the love, the behavior. And then when I got saved, the difference people saw in me wasn't me quoting Scripture. It wasn't me thumping them with the Bible. They saw the light that was inside of me. They saw the Holy Spirit, but they saw that there was something different about me. The greatest witness you can have is by the life you live, by what you present for people to see. Recently, I had a problem with the business. I'm still having that problem, but I had a problem with the business. And I went in. And the problem got magnified by the, I call it ineptitude of the people working there. And I got upset. I got frustrated. And everything I said was true. And I was in my right to say those things. And on the way out, I had to apologize. And the person said, no, you were right to get frustrated. I said, it doesn't matter if I was right. I said, I compromised my witness by responding through my emotions. So I apologize. And I had to repent before the Lord. And I realized another test of a specific area that I have a problem with, and I failed. We need to be the light of the world. So Yeshua said that the light of the world, the light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil, John 3.19. And he was quoting the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 30.19. I call heaven and earth to witness this day against you. I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Therefore, choose life that you and your descendants may live. Jeremiah 21, 8. Jeremiah says, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. See, the word was confirming the word by quoting the word. But we need to be the light of the world. We're the light bearers. We're the ones, as I said last week, we're the agents of change. We're the thing the enemy hates, not just because we can bind them and cast them and out and do all. No, no, no. The enemy knows that if we ever did our job right, we'd be destroying their kingdom. We'd be saving people. We'd be plundering them from their kingdom. But the thing that the lawless one wants, the Lord said, Beware of false prophets come to you dressed as sheep, but inside they're devour, devouring wolves, ravenous wolves, because he knew that Satan would send false teachers into the mix. Hey, it's okay. You don't have to do that. 
Oh, all paths lead to me. Don't get caught up in this heaven and hell thing. Can't tell you how many people I know that have fallen for the lie because it feels good and tickles their ears. I want the narrow path. I want to get to where he said to go. The prophets of, of the Old Testament would, would lie. They would deceive. They would go in and tear the people apart and take take their money and take their gifts and violate his law, profane the things that he said were holy and promote the things that were unholy. They didn't even honor his Sabbath. And by the way, the Sabbath rest is one of the Ten Commandments, which is perpetual. They have not been stopped. And the fruits that they presented, both then and now, are easy to see. How are we so easily fooled? I I don't get it. I, I know what it was when I was a baby Christian. I was fooled by some bad teaching. I didn't know enough of the Word. I didn't have enough of the Spirit in me. And I learned the hard way. I followed people, not the Lord. But their fruits, what they produce, how they live, what they do for the kingdom will tell you who they are. God set standards for his leaders. He set standards for his prophets. He set standards for the the people that shared the word. We have made this way too easy for Hasatan and the fallen. But the Lord warned us, false prophets and false teachers are to be expected at the end of the age. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, Matthew twenty four eleven, And false messiahs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect, Matthew twenty four twenty four. I watch very few people on YouTube. I watch nobody that preaches the Word on television. I spend time in the Word. I can hear from the Spirit. I don't need to do that. But I also don't do it for another reason. I get too frustrated by what I see and hear. The Spirit of the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness, the son of perdition, Hasatan's emissary, who I believe is hiding in the shadows, preparing for his great coming out, using media and politics and social influencers, which are really just sin influencers, if you just want to get real about it. I know that makes me sound religious, and I'm not, but you look at what they promote, it's lawlessness. Praise your Lord. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, driven out demons in your names, done mighty works in your names, signs and wonders and all the things that the charismatic church promotes, and I'm not saying charismatic church is bad. I guess I would, no, I'm not a part of it. I'm a part of his church, and the signs and wonders follow the words. I speak the word, and I serve him. But my point being, signs and wonders that don't follow the word, that don't promote him, that promote personalities or or places or ministries are going to have him stand and say, Openly, publicly, in front of everybody, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who act wickedly, disregarding my commands. See, the will of God, what's the will of the Father? The will of God is what? That everyone be saved. This happens when the church does their job. 
and is empowered by his great grace. Great grace. We are empowered by it. By faith, we do his works. And it's not about public accomplishments. It's not about building things. It's not about buying things. It's only about using his name to get people saved, healed, delivered, and then discipling them. Signs and wonders follow the word and lead to the Great Commission. It leads to the greater things the Lord said that we would do because of the Holy Spirit working in us, with us, and through us. And those people, he says, he never knew. Maybe they had a mouth confession, but they were never converted. They were never living a life that said they knew him. They may have said, Lord, Lord. They may have done all the things they said they did. But they weren't his. Those people, he says, I never knew you were no better than the Pharisees who looked good, had all the trappings of religiosity, but were corrupt and dead inside. Woe to you, self-righteous scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside but inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. So you also outwardly seem to be just and upright to men, but inwardly are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Hypocrisy and lawlessness. You sure use the word hypocrite in its Greek form, hypocrites, 17 times to denounce the Jewish leaders, claiming them as frauds spiritually. And that Greek word means to pretend or misinterpret the truth. Basically, it means to be an actor. They were religious actors. You see, in the Greek and the Roman customs, the actors would speak in large masks with mechanical devices to augment the force of their voice. They were hypocrites. My brother Larry asked me today, he was telling me about somebody that he'd seen online. He said, do you know who he is? I said, yeah. And described what the guy was saying. I said, well, what are you saying was truth. He's got the show down, man. He's got it down. We don't need the show. I don't need the show. The word is everything I need. The power of the Holy Spirit's everything I need. If you have to put on a show, something's wrong. He's the show. Watching people get saved, watching people get healed, watching them get delivered, watching them change, watching them walk the walk that they've always wanted and have the life that they've always wanted. To have the life that he died for, that's all we need. But he says to the Pharisees in Luke twelve fifty six, hypocrites, fakers, actors, performers, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it? You do not discern this time. How is it you don't know that the Messiah is here? How is it that you don't know that? Well, here we are again. We're there again. How do we not see where we are in the timeline? How do we not see the the ticking of the clock, the, the dominoes falling? How do we not see the man of lawlessness and his actions? How do we not see his, his servants and his ministers and his promoters? How do we not see this? Are we blind, willfully? Have we been put into a, a spell, a slumber? Well, they knew about that back then, Romans 13. Do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on 
Adonai Yeshua Mashiach, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill this lust. How do we not know the critical hour that we're in and that we need to wake up? We need to be roused to reality. Final deliverance is coming. Messiah is coming. And I know some would say, Maranatha, come now, Lord Jesus. Come now, Lord. And while I I feel you, still too much to do. Too many people to be saved. Too many to be rescued. Too too much to do yet. He's going to come when he's going to come. And and I'm going to be as busy as I can possibly be. Because lawlessness abounds. The man of lawlessness, the spirit of the Antichrist, is busy. And I'm praying that his church will get busy. Father, I don't know who listening to this has an end time calling. And I'm not going to presumptuously say that everyone does, except to preach the gospel, to fulfill the Great Commission. But some that are listening have a specific thing you want them to do. I say, wake up in the name of Yeshua. Wake up. Shake off the slumber. Shake off the sleep. Get filled with the Spirit. Get riled up. Get fired up. Let's go set the captives free. Let's go lay hands on the sick so they can recover. Let's break people free of demonic bondage and send some demons scurrying. Let's be a light in a darkened world, a beacon for them to find their way to the only one, the way, the truth, and the life. Let's do our job. Be filled with his love. Start seeing people through his eyes. It's easy to judge someone. It's easy to point a finger. But to see him with his eyes, to feel the sadness he feels, is so much more important than being easy. Preaching this word sharing the gospel, doing the things that I do. I would do it 24-7 if I physically could and financially could because he's the only thing that matters. Lord, you're the only thing that matters. Your commission to go do this is all that matters. Stopping what the enemy's doing, destroying the works of Satan. It's all that matters. And being the antidote to the cancer of sin is all that matters. I pray this. I believe this. I speak this. I cry this in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Gunn. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.